Welcome to the Crazy Love Podcast. Do you ever find yourself running on this never-ending hamster wheel of trying to win other people's approval to stave off insecurity? In today's episode, Francis Chan shares the first part of a conversation with his longtime friend, Ryan Takasugi, and they discuss trying to earn man's approval over the liberating but sometimes frightening path of receiving the love of God. So this is Hi. always a little awkward, <laughs> uh, but I'm here I feel with, like it's harder. It is. It's harder with me because nobody knows me. Well, yeah, kind of. <laughs> I mean, so Ryan's a friend of mine. He, we've been a part of the church how long? Um, I think about eight years now. Okay. And um, I mean, the reason why I wanted to do this with you is we had a conversation in the car a couple weeks ago, and... I don't know if I told you, but as we're driving up the mountain, I almost just burst into tears. Um, And I don't know, there was something in me that just refrained from it, you know, just that stupid self, you know, image (laughs) thing. And, but everything in my heart just wanted to just cry. Mm. Because some of the things you said about being loved by God, being able to receive love uh the difference between approval and love the things you were saying about your workplace um and just that idea of insecurity and i mean i've repeated those i mean it's only been two weeks but literally literally thousands and thousands of people have heard about our conversation and the things I learned there. And so, I I mean, literally thousands and thousands Hmm. because it was so healing for me and it has set me on this path of enjoyment Hmm. of God. And even yesterday at one of our gatherings, this guy was breaking down, just weeping over this pressure and weight of gosh the more i'm trying to not sin the more i do mm. and and he's just crying this college student and 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 i was like wow there's a reason why i'm in this room and again i shared the lessons mm. because i go look i felt that burden before yeah and it's not that what you're focusing on is wrong yeah these are all truths Yes, you're in sin, and yes, you need to repent of it. But when all you do is dwell on that, you're missing out on this life and this love. And yeah. so I've tried to retell the story <laughs> about you know what you're explaining from the workplace. Yeah. And I probably butchered it, but you know, it got out there. So I'd love for you to share yeah. just kind of what God taught you through that yeah yeah actually I'll get into that but one thing that what you're talking about reminds me of is remember there was a point when I was reading through 2nd Corinthians 4 and it talks about how we have this treasure in jars of clay Mm -hmm. right and it's referring to the the light of Christ Mm -hmm. Um, and almost all the times that I have heard this passage talked about we talk about the jars of clay and that becomes like the focus of the Mm. conversation 
Um, but the thing that really deserves our attention is the treasure. Mm. The treasure deserves our attention. And the jars of clay are absolutely true. We are jars of clay, and we need to reckon with that fact. Um, but I think oftentimes only after we have really taken good hold of the treasure that's there. Um, and that treasure, I think, is something that we, we were talking about. We're just yeah. starting, just getting the smallest glimpses. And every time we get we come face to face with grace again, it, it ends up being this kind of overwhelming experience mm. because it's so foreign and it's yeah. so rich and mm. generous. Mm. Um, so yeah, I mean, to get to what we were talking about in terms of uh, some of my like recent reflections through work, um, I think the, there, and this, it's interesting. There are a lot of conversations that happened outside of work that helped me to start to have realizations about who I was at work. Hmm. Um, and a lot of those conversations are conversations that I have with our friends yeah. um, uh, on a weekly basis, but, uh, and certainly with, with my wife and in really even in conversation with my kids. Hmm. Um, but one of those things was this idea that for probably 98% of my life now, mm. I have confused the idea of love and approval. And I, I actually don't know exactly where it started, but from a very, very young age, I, as far as back as I can remember, I uh, began to orient my life around approval. Um, and I think part of it is because I found from a young age that I was good at securing approval. Mm. Um, and so when I started to get that kind of feedback, it's like, oh, that's, that's something that's good. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, on the surface, it looks very similar to love mm-hmm. because they're both you know, positive regard mm-hmm. from someone else mm-hmm. for me. And you know, I think there are, and some scientists can correct me, uh, but there are these like, pathways in terms of like, communication within our body and like one cell will communicate to another cell by releasing a chemical or a hormone that then gets picked up by the next one and passed mm-hmm. along. And the way that I think some drugs work is that they will glob on to the receptor cells of one cell so that it can no longer kind of then take in what's being passed to it and so mm-hmm. can no longer pass on the message. And I think somewhere in my love pathway, something that looked like love, this approval thing, globbed onto the receptor Mm. cell and like basically prevented me from being able to to have this love pathway flowing freely, to receive love or or know what it looked like to kind of have this channel flowing. And uh, and the, the other thing about approval is that it is, it's very alluring because it's under your control in a lot of ways. It's not, or that's how I found it for me. It's if I want to feel good or if I want positive regard from yeah. someone, then I can go and do the things that I'm pretty sure will like earn that positive regard mm-hmm. from them. I can you know, do well on the test to get it from a teacher or practice extra hard and earn it from a coach. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it feels safer in some ways when, it, when we start. But then over time, it becomes this actually increasingly burdensome pursuit because after you get it, 
it runs out in the moment or soon after, and then you have to go get it again. And then you have to go get it again and again. And then in some ways you feel like you have to get bigger and bigger things to almost mm -hmm. like, in the same way that addiction works, you've got yeah. to get that hit and the bigger and bigger hit. Mm -hmm. On the contrary, love, especially when you first start, feels so scary mm -hmm. because it's fully dependent on someone else making this decision, independent of anything that I've earned accomplished and so to sort of humbly release that control and say okay I want this well of positive regard that I'm receiving from somebody else I want it to be filled by love is like taking my hands off the spigot um, mm -hmm. to fill it and saying all right I'm entrusting mm -hmm. you to fill it um, obviously first from the Lord. Mm -hmm. And so it's very scary at first, but then over time, as he comes through, as he fills that up, then it becomes safer and safer and safer mm -hmm. because he proves his faithfulness in, uh, in filling it over and over and over. So anyways, all that to say, I started on this path where I enjoyed getting approval I got good at seeking approval, and it, I think for much of my life, did not even cross my mind that I had not begun to like posture myself to receive love because I was so busy pursuing approval. And, and I think I was good at, so good at it, in fact, that like um, I could like last well, so, so many decades, shall mm -hmm. we say, without even being aware of this fact. Mm. Um, and so it's only been through a recent um, series of just very generous, tender pokes from the Lord mm. where I've had to kind of really grapple with this um, poverty mm. of like understanding his love and experiencing his love and, um, and yeah, beginning to trust his love. Mm. Um, you know, I mean, right now in our Bible reading, you know, we're in Song of Solomon. Mm. And um, someone asked me even today, they're like, well, when you read that, do you just see it like, do you see it like some people see it as Christ to us, you know, and God to us? Or is it just a man to a female? And everything else and I, I go I've always just read it as male to female mm -hmm. not realizing that for 1800 years you know <laughs> church leaders have seen it as much more than that yeah. and and I was reading about uh just just maybe yesterday about how the song how song of Solomon it's so uncomfortable because it's so sexual yeah and but the whole idea is there's something about it where we're kind of reserved when it comes to God's love mm. and how God is showing that there's no bounds to the amount of pleasure mm. that we can receive directly from him. Yeah. And then I, I was noticing also from our reading in 1 Peter chapter 2, how it says, uh, like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation. Um, 
I always saw that verse. I don't know why. I don't know if I was taught this, but I always saw that as, yeah, long for the pure milk of the word. Mm. I, I, I literally thought that's what the verse said. <laughs> yeah. So I'm thinking, oh, it's the Bible. But I think that was some of my Bible training that mm. it was just like, well, he's talking about the Bible. Yeah. But then you read it and you're like, no, actually, it doesn't mention the Bible. He says like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk. And it says, as you come to him. So, you know, long for the pure spiritual milk that, that by it you may grow up into salvation. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Yeah. As you come to him, a living stone. And, and just sharing like, wow, this is talking about us directly going to him. Mm-hmm. It's the picture of a newborn babe. Yeah whose most natural instinct, you know, we both have children and and it's fascinating that mm. they're born and <laughs> no one teaches them, they yeah. immediately can yeah. latch on to mom, like they know that. I remember that was one of the biggest shocks when my oldest daughter was born, <laughs> like, what did I just watch? Mm. How did that happen? And I, I feel like in the church, Sometimes if someone becomes a Christian or says they believe in Jesus now, our first thought is, well, let's go through this discipleship material. Let me teach you the basics. Let me give you the foundations of the faith. And we don't trust a natural instinct Mm. to just go to your creator right now. Mm. This doesn't mean you don't do the other stuff. We just, like that's supposed to be the most natural thing yeah. for a newborn infant to do is go directly go directly go for that pure spiritual milk yeah you know i don't want to bottle feed you i don't <laughs> want to get you on formula yeah. just go to the source and then that's why we have so many people who 20 30 years down the road you tell them hey go spend 24 hours alone with jesus and they're like what are you talking what would i do what would i say (laughs) you know i need a podcast i need a (laughs) sermon i need you know some bible study notes and i and i think um some of the things you shared about receiving the love of god Mm. just made me want to get away from everyone else yeah even the things you said about wanting to be a monk yeah you know i'm guessing is a lot of that saying i just want to be completely isolated with him yeah and believe that there is a pleasure like he says at his right hand pleasures forevermore that make song of solomon (laughs) full-on sexuality whatever just so small yeah compared to what he has to offer yeah that's so good and in that same vein of that very intimate Mm -hmm. physical picture like Mm -hmm. even this idea of the infant and milk right Mm -hmm. suckling at its mother's breast like it is a tight like interwoven like nothing gets yes. gets into in between the yes. mother and the babe at that at that point, and just that picture reminds me of 
in John when, um, oh man, when they're at the Last Supper. In John 13, 23, Jesus is talking and says, truly, truly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. The disciples looked at one another, uncertain of whom he spoke. One of his disciples, whom Jesus loved, was reclining at table at Jesus' side. So there's this picture of John, and you know they used to, I guess, eat the Last Supper, or eat meals, mm-hmm. and they're kind of laying together. He's like, they're physically very close. Yeah. His head is probably on his chest. Yes. And I love that picture because when you get to the end of John... 21-20? Uh, 21-20, yeah. Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them, the one who also had leaned back against him hmm. during the supper and had said, Lord, who is it that's going to betray you? Wow. So John is writing this book, and the last way, or one of the last ways that he chooses to present himself and you know, the way that he is thinking about himself is I was the guy who was leaning against Jesus' chest. I was listening to his heartbeat. Like that's in all of the wanderings um, and teachings and miracles that they had gone on. That's something that he carried all the way to the very end. And I, I like, I long for that. And I, and I feel like so much of the disorder of my own life gets straightened out when I just have my head on his chest and I'm listening to his heartbeat. Mm. And, you know, he longs for that, right? He longs mm. for us to be at his breast. Yeah. For what you just read about, like that's where he wants us to be too. Wow. Yeah, we... I just wonder how many people have seen, I mean, I feel like God's given you some insight because I had not thought about how, yeah, I think I've exchanged approval for love and, um, or love for approval. I unknowingly just sought for something from my dad that I never received. Mm. Um, and yet love is something that is, you know, at least when it comes from the Lord, it's like even while we were sinners. Yeah. So it has nothing to do with approval yeah. of the way that we do it. It's That's just, right. It's, it was just a very strange concept to sit there and think, okay, I'm just going to receive the love of God. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to sit here and acknowledge the fact that he loves me. Not because of what I did last week. Not because it was a good... It's just so natural for me to think my actions affect (laughs) that. Yeah. Because I'm thinking approval. That's right. And there are passages that that do talk about... uh, You know, studies show yourselves approved. Mm. Does it work? It's, It's not like that's... Um, 
wrong and mm. there is a sense in which we want to hear well done yep. good and faithful servant there are things we do i think it's just there's also truth to the fact that we're supposed to sit and enjoy the love of god the grace of god the mercy of god uh, i mean this is the chief aim of man mm -hmm. right Yes. Uh, it's that enjoyment of him and his grace and his mercy. And I just wonder how many people have ever, first of all, seen that, that they've kind of distorted things yeah. or the enemy has. Yeah. And then what would you say would help people get out of that? Mm. I think at, at least a couple of things. Yeah. Um, one is, is, of course, just going back and as I've, one of the things I love about how we've mm -hmm. de designed or, or architected the, our house church model yeah. is, you know, we've had to go through scripture many times yes. over the course of the many years. And so some of the themes start to come out. Yeah. Like, and of course, referencing individual verses matter because each word yes. is weighty, but the overarching themes matter mm. as well. I think one of the themes that has come out, especially as we spent time in the Old Testament, mm -hmm. but certainly, of course, when we get to the New, is there is like a an assumption or a presupposition as we read through all of this that God loves us, that he is the king and that he loves us, or maybe like two mm -hmm. just very clear presumptions that run through all of Scripture. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, you get it. Right at right at the start, right when sin enters the world, like the Lord could have just yeah destroyed us then. Mm -hmm. um, but there was mercy from the start. I think sometimes it's a little bit like disguised or mm -hmm. hidden, and so it's hard as you read some of the things that happen to like see that underneath it all mm -hmm. is this posture of His love. And but when when he has opportunities to like really reveal himself, really open himself up, right? He passes by Moses, and who does he declare himself to be? Mm -hmm. The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Or in, you know, in the New Testament, when Jesus reveals you know what his spirit is like, what his heart is like, I'm gentle and lowly in spirit like when you really kind of get into mm -hmm. that and you get to see not just who he is right and all of his attributes and all of them matter and not just what he's done but actually like what his posture is towards what his feelings are mm -hmm. for us and you kind of see that seeping through all the way through scripture mm -hmm. i think it it helps to start it has helped to start changing my mind about even like how he thinks of me now. Hmm. Um, and I think that really matters. And the hmm. fact then that Jesus is even now like pleading my case hmm. um, before, before the Father, like that's what he wants. He hmm. wants to see like me in glory. That's what he's hmm. like looking forward to. Uh, that posture towards me softens me. Hmm. Um, and it helps to to take apart this natural tendency I have to turn God into something that he's not, into uh, someone who is 
um, cold or just uh, mm-hmm. you know driving me to you know perform better so that he gets mm-hmm. something from me mm-hmm. um, but in fact that his his desire actually is to love me mm-hmm. um, and in that love of course to purify me mm-hmm. um, but but that that is a, a core and central mm-hmm. um, sort of motion in, in his design and so you know there's looking back through the text but there's also looking forward you know there will be a point when we enter into heaven and there all of the kind of things that right now seem to mute our experience of his love, Mm -hmm. um, the distances that still remain in various ways, they will be removed and we will get to experience love, right? Capital L, love in all its totality. And I think our primary job, Mm -hmm. if you will, like our primary task or or like what's central to our life will be to receive that love Mm. like that's how we glorify Mm -hmm. him as love is to receive his love it would be terrible if there is the most glorious love um all glorious love Mm. in this place and we're there or like meh yeah you know and so the fact that that will be so core to who we are and how we spend eternity, yeah. like it should at least make us want to practice mm-hmm. a little bit, right? To like say, mm-hmm. okay, that, that's who I'm going to be. That's what I'm going to do for, uh, for the vast majority of my existence. Like it's worth starting to invest in and get good at receiving that now because that's, that skill, if you will, is therefore something that will last. Like all of the skills or talents that we invest in, some of them are things that may last into eternity mm-hmm. and some of them are going to burn up. That's one for sure mm-hmm. that will last mm-hmm. and that we'll, that we'll always be glad we spent time getting good at. Yeah. So yesterday, you know, I'm, I'm at one of our gatherings and this college-age student just breaks down. You know... I, I haven't shared anything at this point. He's just saying how, I mean, just so sincere. I love this kid, Mm. you know, and he's just going, I'm trying so hard, Mm. you know, I'm being discipled by these guys and, and they're showing me my sin and I'm seeing my sin Mm. and, but harder I try, like I keep failing. I'm just so tired of this. And I just, I see him like wanting purity and, but it just felt like, he was so burdened, exhausted, like yeah. frustrated. And, and my heart just went out to him because I've been there. Yeah. And, and I've felt that weight and this guilt and the shame. And, and it's not like he, he's, it's not like he's wrong in the sense of yeah. God disapproves of these things. It's just, I, I told him, gosh, I am so burdened for you right yeah. now. Like, I don't want you to live this way. Yeah. You just feel like you're, it looks like you're carrying this weight yeah. that is just overwhelming and crushing you. Yeah. I don't see this, his burden is light. 
Yeah. His yoke is easy. Yeah. And explaining that I'm not seeing you coming at this out of this love mm. of God. I see your soul being destroyed. Mm. Um, and again, it's it's almost like Satan to to twist things or get you to focus on just one aspect of God yep. to the neglect of another. And it pulls that life out of you. And what you said about the insecurity mm. and what you did at, in the workplace, in a yeah. sense, to create productivity, mm. increase productivity, I feel like I've done that mm. as a pastor. And it, it really bothers me now. Um, can you, yeah, you, can you just explain that process again? Yeah, and you know it's it's anchored in this the same reality yeah. of approval. Yes, um, and so you know I've had the privilege of working at great companies, mm-hmm. um, companies that that have done incredible work, like just gifted colleagues, and so I'm, yeah, I'm grateful for those experiences. But over time, I began to realize that underneath these organizations have been if you will optimized for worldly constructs mm-hmm. right and they're optimized not for what we're going to spend eternity doing but what gets the best results here mm-hmm. and uh, and so i worked for an organization and w- so we would talk about when we were hiring people how our target demographic is insecure overachievers. I mean, we would sort of chuckle as we did that because we realized we were already in the company. Yeah. <laughs> so that, that means that that's who we are too. And yeah. so, and there was a bit of a confession, a, a ha-ha kind of, kind of confession along yeah. the way. But insecure overachievers. So people who somewhere deep inside felt this anxiety of, needing to prove themselves and channel that anxiety, if you will, in a productive way, which is to achieve and then achieve and then achieve more and be at the top of their class and take the extra classes and, you know, get the degrees from the top institutions. And um, so we would hire these insecure overachievers. And then every week we would, as part of our quote, feedback culture, tell them something they weren't doing well enough. Hmm. And, you know, from one lens, of course, you can justify it. You know, you're trying to help, help them get better at their job. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, like, you're never perfect. So you need to keep, yeah. keep helping them grow. But what I found was that for me and for many of my colleagues, we, it was, um, almost, almost diabolical. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you know that this is their weakness mm-hmm. and then every week you just sort of like, just jab your finger into that weakness mm. a little bit more, a little bit more. So did we get ex- excellent work from the people that we brought in? Like almost always. Yes. Um, because they took that same motivation that had fueled them for their whole lives and just kind of kept funneling it deeper and deeper Mm. to like work harder and produce more therefore did our were our clients like often happy with what they got like probably 
um, was it good for our souls to come to work? And I can't, of course, speak for my colleagues, but I can at least say mm -hmm. for myself, like, definitely not. Mm -hmm. Because I would come into work carrying this, this, this weakness, mm -hmm. and then I felt like that weakness was almost played on over and over and over. Mm -hmm. And I, I couldn't, like, escape from that construct of the world of needing to seek, seek approval and, and, mm -hmm. and not getting in. So continuing to run after it, continuing mm -hmm. to run after it. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, it, it, it was extremely like sobering yeah. when I started to piece together, like what happened to my soul yeah. when I was at work and realized, oh, this was actually in some ways part of the design. Um, and then, so you think, okay, well, good company but maybe they're just terrible people or like there are these like men in black suits in HR who are yeah. sort of like hmm, how do we like get the best out of these people yeah. but to be quite honest like the more I've scanned the landscape like that's not that different from pretty much any other organization mm. in the world we and I mean certainly organ organizations like companies but all kinds of organizations are essentially structured as ladders and you climb them and you you dole out approval for those who are good and climbing mm -hmm. quickly and you uh and you just layer on the criticism more um for the people who aren't and and of course you can play on the insecurity to mm. from the people at the top to sort of like this double-handed like oh you're doing well but you could be doing better mm -hmm. kind of notion and um and so the more that I look across like the, the landscape of organizations that I've, and of course it's not that many, but the ones that I've seen, the ones that I've talked to actually now, probably hundreds and hundreds of, of friends in the secular workplace. It's like, I can't name a single organization that doesn't ultimately um, th thrive or grow um, without playing on your vices. Hmm. Um, and so, and, and this is a realization that I've had, you know, time to think about now as, um, as a house church pastor, yeah. because on Sundays, there are people in my church who have worked at the same companies that I have. They've never worked for me, but presumably they could. Mm -hmm. And so I could tell them on, they could be on my team and, and I could tell them on Sunday as their pastor, you know, cannot serve both God and money. Right. Be careful about mm -hmm. like that, mm -hmm. that temptation or, you know, you should seek the approval of God before the approval of man or not the approval of man. Um, or, you know, it's about God's name and not your name, really, that that is the pursuit of your life. I can say that on Sunday, but if I then on Monday they show up for work and I'm saying, look, I really need you to work hard on this. And if you work hard, I'll give you money. Hmm. I'll give you my approval. I'll say nice things about yeah. you. Uh, I'll help make your name great, like help build your mm -hmm. reputation and your career. Then I'm just incentivizing them on their vices on Monday mm -hmm. with the things that I like ask them to be careful about on Sunday. And so it's created this, this um, sort of unsolved question, this really big tension for me about like, what, what does it mean for, um, companies or yeah. or people in the church mm -hmm. uh, but maybe not 
actually like people running a church, but people who are part of the body who are active in all of society to create um, the spaces and the structures and the incentives even Mm -hmm. that are actually like good for our souls to come to. Yeah. Yeah. And when you shared all of that with me, you started by explaining that you were going to teach Romans 8 Mm. uh, at your gathering and everything in your your (laughs) flesh was saying, don't teach Romans 8 because... I don't want them to know there's no <laughs> condemnation. There's something about us that's like, I don't want them to know that there's no condemnation yeah. for those of us who are in Christ, because then they'll just keep sinning and sin even more. Yeah. And I like the insecurity because it creates the right behavior. That's right. So, so talk about that. For, like, yeah. yeah, we were talking actually about the institution of a new covenant yes. at the Lord's Supper and... We were thinking about, okay, what does it mean that there is this new covenant, this new way of relating to God because of this blood? And probably the best place to start for that to kind of help us understand, articulate a little bit more what this new covenant looks like is in in Romans 8. And the way that Paul headlines it for us is there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And I, I felt uncomfortable. I don't know if it, maybe it was part of, part like I feel uncomfortable that God would say this. And I also feel like, I guess therefore uncomfortable mm-hmm. that it's coming out of my mouth. Mm. This idea like that's the headline, like that's what we're leading with. Like that's, mm. and that's, That's his heart, right? His heart is that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And that's what he wants us to feel because the more that we come to that heart and of course everything that he is and what he has done to make it possible, the more we will be melted by or just wooed by the intensity of his love. But because my nature has been so transaction-based, mm-hmm. and that is a function of having grown up seeking approval, mm-hmm. and approval is inherently transaction-based, right? Again, I do something for you, you give me what I want. Mm-hmm. Um, that then when I come to a declaration, there is therefore now no condemnation, I read it as part of a transaction Hmm. and not really as part of a relationship. Hmm. And so my instinct is that if I say this to people, and maybe my instinct is this because if I say it to myself, this is how I have often received Hmm. it myself, is ah, in my transactions with God, if he leads with I can never be condemned, then I will sort of like just take it mm-hmm. and, and, you know, run with the money. But if I'm able to see that, oh, actually the whole point of this is, is this relationship and that the relationship anchored on love sets this foundation mm-hmm. where I can begin to experience him and be fully open and honest with him and receive everything he longs to give me, then there being no condemnation actually is the thing that that allows him to deal with my sin 
in the deepest possible ways. Because then it's not so much that I have to gain his approval and, you know, kind of like state my case just the right mm. way. But it's now like, oh, there's no condemnation. So let me tell you everything and like, let's get into it together. And there's a freedom of genuine repentance mm. that comes when that is the, the foundation of the relationship. Yeah. And I was noticing when you were explaining that how, I was thinking about Romans 2, verses 4 and 5, and how it's the kindness of the Lord mm -hmm. that leads us to repentance. Yeah. Like, there's this, this, we understand who he is, and that it, it like lures us in to want that. And I was thinking how, gosh, has the kindness of the Lord mm. ever led me to repentance? Or is it the next part of the verse, you know, but because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant <laughs> heart, you're storing up wrath for yourself on the day of judgment. Like I go, okay, I better repent. Mm -hmm. And there was just like this side of me that's, that's missing out yeah. on this pleasure. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I don't know what it is, but the more I talk about it, the more people are just, it's like that aha moment of, yeah. This is ridiculous. I've been missing out on the love yeah. of God and enjoying the love of God, the grace, the mercy, the kindness. And I've been trying to to earn it somehow. Yeah. And and I'm grateful that I have a fear of the Lord and there's yeah. a foundation and that is the beginning of wisdom and and it keeps me from and that from some sin and that is biblical mm -hmm. um but there's this other side yeah of love yeah that i think most of us don't know how to receive and it actually is it seems biblically even to lead to a greater power mm. and a greater holiness that feels a little bit more effortless mm. a little more like oh this is light this is easy. <laughs> yeah and and I, I i guess i would really want you to talk you know to to people because it's like that that kid i saw that was just so burdened and trapped and he genuinely knows god like yeah. loves him yeah. like he, he he's not one of these rebellious like he wants to do what's right he just was so burdened and felt beat up and i didn't see you know what first peter one is talking about where you know we rejoice with a joy inexpressible and full of glory mm. and that's why i just think okay i've been trapped in some of this yeah i feel like i may have even been stingy mm. in speaking about the grace of God because I wanted to control yeah. people's actions and purity and 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 if they're not sure if they're saved and if whether Christ is the Lord in that area yeah. then they're going to work harder and they'll fight for even more purity yeah um but I remember I remember being in Bible college with a couple of friends and or even the, I remember the girl I was dating at the time she made the comment ah, well do any of us even really know if we're saved mm. 
It was in the context of I don't know that he's Lord of every area in my life. Mm. And I look at that now, I go, gosh, it's so sad that we were in this system where we weren't sure about being loved by God and forgiven by him because we we believed in the lordship of Christ which I still absolutely believe in yeah. of course he's lord but I just got so focused on well if he was really lord over my life what yeah. about my sin this week he must not really be lord yeah. and so then we're questioning his salvation yeah. and one of the things that kid prayed on Sunday you know, after I, I laid hands on him, prayed for the whole church, prayed for him, we prayed for each other, saying, God, break this, you know, was he says, God, forgive me for thinking that I was being humble by not receiving your love yeah. because I don't deserve it. Mm. And ah, I, I totally got what he was saying. <laughs> I felt that before. No, this is the right thing to do. Say, God, I don't deserve your love. Just yeah. make me a slave, prodigal son, yeah. you know, and it's like, oh, good. Uh, that was the right thing to do is not receive his love. Mm. And I just saw that he was trapped in this and I've been trapped in this. Yeah. And I just want people free. Yeah. I want complete freedom myself. Yeah. I want everyone to see this good news mm. of God's yes. love is not like this approval that you've been seeking from so many people and probably from God himself. Yeah. Thank you for listening to the Crazy Love Podcast. Join us next time for a new episode, but until then, for more resources from Crazy Love Ministries or to support the work of Crazy Love, please visit our website at crazylove.org.